You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to help you plan that unbelievable travel experience. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, excursions, and more in one place. There are over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from, so you can find something for everyone. And Viator offers free cancellation and 24-7 customer support for worry-free travel. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. Hello, Giants fans. I'm Ed Valentine, and you are listening to the Valentine's Views podcast here on Big Blue View Radio, part of the SB Nation family of podcasts. On today's show, we have a little bit of a of a treat for you. We're going to be joined by Patricia Trena of Forbes, The Athletic, Big Blue View, Locked On Giants, and a whole bunch of other places to uh, to talk about a lot of uh, of Giants-related topics. Patty, how you doing today? I'm doing great, Ed. How are you? I'm good. This is uh, a little bit of a, a little bit of a throwback for you and me today, Patty. After all the all the the Locked On Giants shows that we did together. Yeah, and you know, I had you on the Locked On Giants podcast, I think it was last week, so uh, it's great that we're able to, you know, continue to help each other out. There you go, and I mean, this is something that we hope to do on occasion. You know, Patty obviously, you know, contributes at at Big Blue View, and and we hope to have her on here regularly to offer... uh, to offer some of her opinions and we thought what we would do today I'm actually going to toss out you know three or four uh, Giants related topics and things that I'm interested in and we'll get Patty's take on it it might turn into a little bit of a point counterpoint kind of thing depending on on whether we agree or disagree Patty we never disagree do we ah very rarely yeah so so we'll see where this goes and you know, I think the first thing I wanted to do is say, look, you know, it's uh, it's Thanksgiving week. Uh, you know, it, today's Tuesday. Thanksgiving's in in two days. And, and if I'm a if I'm the New York Giants, the the thing that I have to be thankful for at this point at three and seven is that is that I play in the uh, in the NFC East. Definitely. I mean, right now the division is still wide open. Nobody is really running away with it. And, you know, you look at Washington, uh, who had, you know, not just the injuries on the offensive line, but also they unfortunately lost Alex Smith for the season to that horrific leg injury. I mean, it's wide open, you know, and Washington and Dallas play each other, I believe, on Thanksgiving, Um, the Giants and the Eagles. So, uh, they play each other on Sunday, so there's a chance for for uh, the order right now in the NFC East to get upset. Patty, it's interesting because you look at the uh, at the statistics, and I know Odell Beckham has said, you know, it, it, that he, he'd like to go eight and zero, he'd like to get to nine and seven, make the playoffs, all of that. And we know that that that's a nice goal. It's good 
you know, to have confidence. We know that that's unrealistic, you know, to, to really think that the Giants, you know, can can go eight and zero to think that they're suddenly going to be good enough to do that. But the thing I want to ask you about is this idea that some people have that it's pointless for the Giants to win games at this point in the season, that they'd be better to lose games you know, to, uh, to get the higher draft pick. I've never been a believer in the, in the idea of tanking, and I think that you can tell when you're in the locker room, you can tell when you're around these guys, winning is always better than losing especially when you have young players who need to learn how to win and need to learn not to accept you know that losing is okay and and you agree with me that that there are benefits to winning games for the rest of the year whether the giants make this miraculous run or not Absolutely. I've never been a fan of, of tanking either. I mean, anybody who's played any level of competitive sports will tell you that you just don't tank. I mean, that that goes against everything that we're taught as athletes, whether it be, you know, on the schoolyard, uh, whether it be in, in, in an organized, you know, like Little League or whatever. I mean, y- you just don't tank. You go out there, you give it your all, and you lay down a foundation. You know, you what people I don't think understand is if a, if a franchise shows that they just don't care, that they've given up, well, you know, yeah, money will drive a free agent probably to a team. But most athletes, if you ask them, they tell you they want to come in and they want to be part of a winning program. That that's just as important, if not more important in some cases, than than the money. So, and then here's the other thing I think a lot of people don't understand. Right now, there's not a clear-cut like top quarterback prospect in the draft. You know, everybody's got different opinions about the various quarterbacks. So if you have a top pick, there's a chance that, you know, and it, and if you don't need a quarterback or you don't like the quarterbacks, you know, and, and you're in the top three, if you want to trade down because so many teams took quarterbacks last year, that might be tough. I mean, the draft class is still not complete, so we don't know, you know, which prospects are going to be in from the juniors and the, and the sophomore eligibles. So that all factors in. But but you're right, Ed. You, you just don't take because it sets a, sends a bad message to your younger players and, and to, to your older players and, and potential future players. Well, the way that I look at it, you have a first-year head coach who's trying to build a foundation, trying to build a program – and winning some games and, and, and showing that, that there's progress and that there's, a, that there's a, a path for this team with this head coach is, to me, you know, an important part of the remaining six games. Yeah, it, it absolutely is. I mean, you know, look, you're trying to put a foundation in place. Now, Dave Gettleman went and he cleared, cleaned out the locker room, got rid of all the uh, – the uh, dead weight, if you will, as far as, you know, the guys whose attitudes were dragging the team down, and he replaced it with a solid foundation of leadership. And it's interesting, Ed, because on the uh, Locked on Giants podcast that's dropping on Friday, I had Justin Tuck 
on the program. And Justin, you know, I asked him a question. I said to him, what's more important in your opinion, having a lot of talent or having leadership? And he said, when you have a lot of talent, you know, a lot of superstars, and I'm going to paraphrase here, he says, sometimes what ends up happening is is that the team gets pulled in different directions. Whereas if you have solid leadership, whether it be a couple of guys or whether it be, you know, five guys who are working together, they're able to pull the team in one direction and it's better for the team. He says, you want to have talent, yes, but you want to have some kind of structure in place to keep it all together. Patty, one of the things that we both know that the Giants did in the offseason when they began to to restructure this roster was they brought in a lot of, you know, veteran type leaders, a lot of guys like Michael Thomas, you know, guys even like Connor Barwin, guys who have been good players in the league for a number of years. You know, Nate Solder's another one who comes to mind. You guys who could help hold that locker room together. And as we see at 1-7, and seven, and you and I were around the team a year ago when they went 0-5 at the beginning and, and, and everything just fell apart. I look at this team right now. I look at two wins in a row. And it's not even the victories. It's it's the attitude coming from the locker room. It's the It's the work ethic coming from the room. I just look at what's going on with this team right now, and and, and whatever the record is, right now I feel pretty good about the direction that this organization is heading in, and I think you really have to look at Pat Shermer and give Shermer an awful lot of credit for you know, forget the one loss record, but for where this team is just in terms of attitude and in terms of progress and and the development that's being made. Absolutely. Absolutely. You have to start. Look, I mean, this team is coming off of a three and 13 season from last year. The locker room was a mess. There was really no direction. You know, unfortunately, things just went over Ben McAdoo's head and, and just he lost control. So you had to start from scratch in a way, you know, you, you, you kept your core foundation guys, you know, your Mannings, your Beckhams, um, your, your Collinses, your Diases and so on. Um, and you had to supplement, you had to just change the culture of that locker room and, and put a solid foundation in. Once you have a solid foundation in, you can now build on that. And, you know, it's kind of like building a house. You can't build a house on sand. You have to put a a solid foundation. Otherwise, that house is going to collapse. Well, it's the same thing with building a team. I think you're right. That's a really good analogy, Patty. You know, in in building the foundation, and part of that foundation is not only holding the locker room together, but part of that foundation goes back to what we talked about, you know, at the top is okay they believe in his message they believe in you know they're holding together but winning some games down the stretch and and you know showing these players that that what they're getting from the coaching staff can lead to results you know um you know is a good thing and I think we saw a little bit of that even on Sunday with Saquon Barkley I know that the message he was getting from Shermer was to get more dirty yards to stay to stay with his blocking and I think that when you see that that the message you're getting from the coaching staff can lead you to success I think that's that's part of that foundation 
It absolutely is. You look, you've got to buy into it. It's like you go to a company, all right, that that just suffered a big, you know, quarterly loss. And you say to yourself, okay, look, they just suffered this loss. They had to lay off a lot of people. You know, do I really want to go here? Well, if the company has new management and a new direction and a new, you know, way of getting to where it wants to get, now, you know, I think people are going to feel a little bit more confident in, in, you know, maybe signing on and lending their talents to that cause, you know, whereas if you go to an organization where nobody really gives a damn and, you know, th- th- there's nothing changing. I mean, how how willing are you going to want to be to go out there and put, you know, spend 40 plus hours a week, you know, pouring your blood, sweat and tears in the best years of your life in, into that cause if it's if it's a sinking ship? Okay, so let's change gears a little bit. Let's talk about, you know, spinning forward to 2019. And one of the things that that has to be decided by the Giants is what they're going to do at quarterback. I got killed a couple of weeks ago when I wrote at Big Blue View with the Giants at 1-7 and and struggling on offense. I got killed when when I said that there was still a path over the second half of the season for Eli Manning to show that he could continue to be this team's quarterback at the beginning of the 2019 season. That doesn't mean I don't believe the Giants don't need to go out and find a quarterback of the future if they don't believe that it's Kyle Lalletta, you know, if they believe it's Justin Herbert or Daniel Jones or Trace McSorley or whoever in the draft, you go out and you make that happen. But I thought that over these final eight games that that there was a lot to be decided. And what we've seen the last two weeks is a lot of progress. We saw Eli Manning on Sunday have the most efficient game of his career. I think we've seen what the Giants envisioned on offense. And, Patty, my belief at this point is that if this kind of progress continues, the Giants don't have to win out. Eli's not going to complete 95% of his passes every game. But if they continue to show progress, if they continue to show, you know, quality offense, they can make the case at the end of the year that they've made enough progress, that they've gone in a good direction, that he could still open the 2019 season as their quarterback. You know, and I also have been getting killed a lot for, you know, my defense of Eli Manning. And I I just want to make something clear, if I could, on this podcast I am well aware that Eli Manning is going to be 38 years old. I do see that his skills are starting to drop off, that he is not the same quarterback he was in 2007. Okay. Now, with that said, my whole argument with Eli Manning has always been like any quarterback on the face of the planet. You put a good surrounding cast in front of him because, hey, football is a team sport. I think we can all agree upon that. You put a good supporting cast around him and see if he can function. And for years, I think we've all complained about the offensive line with good reason. You know, until Odell came around, he didn't really have receivers. He didn't really have a tight end. He hasn't had a running back, uh, you know, that that would scare defenses until, you know, Saquon Barkley. Now he's got everything in place. And I think at the beginning of the year – We said, now it's on Eli. He's got everything he needed. It's on him to step up and show that he can still be part of the solution. All right. Now, the offensive line got off to a shaky start. They have since stabilized it. And Eli has stepped up. Now, here's the other thing. Again, 
Eli, at some point, you are going to have to move on from him. His contract ends next year. And I'm going to take Giant fans back to 2004 when Eli was, was acquired by a trade. If you remember, the Giants had a veteran quarterback, some guy by the name of, uh, what was it, Kurt Warner, some Hall of Famer now. Um, <laughs> and uh, Kurt Warner served as kind of a placeholder for Eli you know in other words he was there he started the season you know he groomed Eli he helped him acclimate to the to the pro you know the pro level I mean Eli was learning from a hall of famer a future hall of famer at the time okay and then Kurt Warner of course went on and had had the great career in in Arizona and and you know was in the hall of fame where he rightfully belongs I can see a scenario where the Giants keep Eli for the final year of his contract you know, have him serve as kind of like a, a mentor to whether it be Kyle Lalletta, whether it be a quarterback that they take in the draft, or maybe, I don't know, maybe they pick up some guy um, who hasn't played a whole lot lately and maybe, you know, they, they see him as the future. So for those of you who want to get rid of Eli yesterday, there is value to keeping him on the roster. Now, people are going to say, well, what about his cap hit? Well, guess what? The Giants are going to do a lot of you know, I think they're going to do a lot of movement on their cap. There's, I don't see Janoris Jenkins back next year. I'm not sure exactly what kind of contract Landon Collins is going to get. Um, you know, I, I don't know that Olivier Vernon's contract is going to stay intact for next year. So there's going to be things that are going to be done. You know, Jonathan Stewart's contract, I don't know if they're going to carry that. There will be things done to create cap space. Now, could they theoretically go to Eli and say, hey, we want to redo your number? Because as I've said on my podcast, um, he's got a $5 million roster bonus. And if I'm the Giants, I look to get rid of that roster bonus and maybe you know, tack on what I call a dummy year. In other words, extend Eli one more year to 2020. You know, Give him some ridiculous base salary or even a low base salary with the intention of he's not going to see that year. But just to alleviate the cap hit, if you do indeed get a, um, you know, a young quarterback on board so that this way your cap is not going to be, you know, choked, choked up with a, you know, a, a huge cap number with, with a guy who maybe plays, I don't know, half the season or until a young quarterback is ready. And then again, that's assuming they, they feel that there's a quarterback in the draft that they want. The other point that I've made here and at Big Blue View, Patty, in reference to Eli and his cap hit is that if you look at it, if you want a placeholder quarterback, and I'm not necessarily sure all the time that, you know, like in this particular 2018 draft class, all of those first-round picks are playing already. And, I'm, um, you know, four of those guys were starting very, very quickly. If you take a quarterback at the very, very top of the draft, you know, first three or four picks or whatever, you're going to want that guy to play right away. So maybe a placeholder quarterback isn't always necessary. I tend to believe that it's a good idea anyway. But if you say you save however much money you save, I think it's $17 million on the cap by moving on from Eli. Then you turn around and you still want a placeholder quarterback. Well, guess what? Sam Bradford played three games for the Arizona Cardinals and cost them $15 million before they cut him. So if you already have a functional 
placeholder, veteran, mentor type quarterback, especially a guy like Eli who's won Super Bowls and obviously knows what he's doing, then I don't know that that you can that you look at that seventeen million and automatically say you know it's a good savings. You don't. You, it doesn't make sense. I know a lot of people say, "Oh, get Teddy Bridgewater because he knows the system." You know, get this quarterback because he knows the system. It doesn't make sense. I mean, Eli knows the Giants organization inside out. He knows his teammates. They're comfortable with him. He knows that playbook inside out, which, you know, by the way, has been tweaked since the days of Sam Bradford and, and, and Teddy Bridgewater on, on the uh, the Vikings. It doesn't make sense to move on for him for another placeholder. If you're going to have a placeholder, you might as well let it be him. And like I said, you look to maybe redo his number, extend him a year with the idea that he will not see the 2020 contract year and 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 you just transition and here and you know what this is another reason you brought up a point why you know people say oh tanks are your assured top three pick if you do take a a a quarterback in the top three yeah you're going to want him on the field right away but if you're drafting lower in the in in the first 10 picks or you know even like within the first 15 picks if you're drafting you know like I don't know, from like seven onward. Now I don't know that there's as much pressure to get him on the field. I mean, you know, at least right away, right out of the chute. Yes, you want your first round pick on the field as quickly as possible. But if you remember, even with Eli, I mean, he was the number one pick overall in the draft. The Giants traded for him and he didn't hit the field until what, seven games or six games into the season? Yeah, something like that, Patty. It was it was a ways in, you know, and uh you know, I can definitely see that type of, of scenario, you know, with, with the Giants. Real quickly, let's talk about, I have two more things I wanted to hit. One of those, I don't know about you, but even with the Giants winning, even with the Giants putting up a lot of points and Eli Manning playing well, I still am getting the, when is Eli going to get yanked from the lineup and Kyle Lalletta, you know, put in as the starter you know, questions on Twitter. And and I've said this, look, it's not going to happen at this point until the time comes when the Giants are mathematically eliminated from the playoffs. It's simply, they're not going to yank Eli. And one of the things that I've said is, look, Pat Shermer has sold the Giants on on the message of continuing to play, continuing to work. Just trying to be one and zero every week. Let the math take care of itself at the end of the season. And you know, one of my thoughts is: look, if he were to, let's say, he were to yank Eli and play Kyle Lolletta for the last four or five games with the Giants still mathematically in the race. He's raising the white flag and undercutting his own message and probably losing some of that credibility that he's gained in the locker room. So I just don't think you can do it, you know, if you want to do it until there's no chance that the Giants could go to the playoffs. I agree with you on that. And and I'll, I'll take it a step further. I do think within the next week or two, we will see um, 
Lawletta move up on the depth chart. I would be shocked if by, you know, the start of December, the la- for, the, for like the last four games of the season, Lawletta is not the number two quarterback. And I think, so. you know, I agree with you. As long as the Giants are in the, the playoff hunt, you will see Eli in there. Now, here's the caveat. If the game becomes a blowout either way, then I think that that presents an area for or a window to get Lawletta into the game. I don't think you're going to see him necessarily start an entire game unless, you know, there's an injury or unless the Giants are completely out of the playoff race, at which point it makes sense to, to you know, give him an entire game. But, you know, what people seem to forget with Lawletta is he was a fourth round pick came from a little smaller program okay he had a a lot more to to learn a lot more ground to make up and you know the good thing about it is is the coaches didn't have to rush him to get him out there so he's not suffering necessarily the same growing pains as some of the rookie quarterbacks that have been thrown out there you know you look at Sam Darnold who, who started to struggle and hit a wall after you know after a fast start so you know it 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 might sound like, you know, what are the Giants doing? But they really do have a plan for the quarterback. It's a systematic approach. And if you think about it, it makes sense what they're doing. And, you know, and, and I and I urge people, put aside any hatred you have for Eli Manning and just think about it objectively. Take, take your emotions and your feelings out of the equation and ask yourself, would you want a quarterback in there who, you know, gets thrown in and, and, and uh, you know, gets battered around and loses? his confidence and becomes basically ineffective you know because he's not he doesn't have the the training and he doesn't have the proper support cast around him all right patty let's talk about one last thing let's talk about sunday's upcoming game in philadelphia you know a few weeks ago when we're sitting in the press box watching the giants get hammered you know by the eagles on i think it was a thursday night game not in a million years did I think we would reach this point in the season and one think that this upcoming Sunday's game would have real meaning for the Giants and two that that you would you would actually feel like they would have a chance to go into Philly against the defending Super Bowl champions and and have you know what feels like a real opportunity to go in and win this game. Yeah, who'd have thought of right? I mean, uh, what I thought we were in some kind of bizarro world or opposite world or whatever it is. I'm not, um, but yeah, that that's where we are right now. The Giants are coming off you know two straight winning games. Um, now people will say, oh, it was against subpar teams or, or, or bad defenses or whatnot, and I I say. You know, you could throw that argument out the water, you know, out the window because, you know, I, I pointed out that the Bucks beat the, the Saints and they beat the Eagles. So, you know, any given Sunday, folks, I mean, the other side gets paid just just the same way. And and, uh, you know, JPP was coming in with his Bucks teammates and he was fired up and he was getting them fired up and yet they still couldn't pull it off. So um, but yeah, regarding the Eagles, um, look, the Giants would love nothing better to get a win against the Eagles. The Eagles have had the Giants numbers for years now. Okay. And can you just imagine what a win in Philadelphia would do for the, for the, for the morale of this Giants team? I mean, the morale is up. 
the energy is up. I, I've made the comment, you know, several times that the energy, you know, what does a win do for, for a team, even though it's it, it's against, a, you know, an opponent who's struggling, it raises the morale and it raises the energy. It makes you think that, hey, this is how we win. We can do it. You know, all this hard work we're pouring into, to, you know, every week, it's paying off. So I can only imagine what a win against the Eagles would do, not just to help them in the standings, but I think it could be a pivotal point in their season if they can pull it off. Uh, not only a pivotal point in their season, but as we've continued to talk about this team making progress and building a foundation and believing in its coaching staff and and the young players on the roster, you know, continuing to learn how to win and learn what it takes, you know, I you know, I think this is a this is a, a golden opportunity, you know, for, for this team to take a real step forward in, in its development. Absolutely. You know, it's funny. Um, I forget who said it, but someone once said, it's not how you start, it's how you finish. And you can't go back and undo the first eight games of the season, which, you know, let's let's be real. They they weren't very good. They didn't play good football. Um, You know, it was a mess. And you thought that, oh, God, here we go. We're going to have another three and 13, if not worse type of year. But you know, the arrow is starting to trend upwards. And that's ideally what you want. See, a lot of people also forget that the Giants had turned over what over 60% of their roster from the year prior, I think that was the number. Um, So you had a lot of new faces, a lot of guys who were learning to communicate with each other, a lot of guys who were learning to play together. And that takes time. You know, you, yes, you have training camp, you have the, the preseason, and then you also got to remember, you know, Dave Gettleman turned over the bottom half of the, or the bottom third of the roster. So all that took time, and now you're starting to see them starting to gel. Um, you know, he made some tweaks before the, the trade deadline by trading away Damon Harrison and Eli Apple. So it took some time for those guys to just come together and, and just, you know, to the point where now they don't have to necessarily ask each other what they're thinking. They can kind of look at each other and say, oh, I know what he's going to do on this play, and I know what he's going to do on that play. So it, 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 it's, a, it's a process, and I get it. People want results yesterday. I mean, we all do, but sometimes you just have to take it systematically and just let it build up, and I do think the Giants are trending in the right direction, and there's a lot to be excited about moving forward. And Giants fans, we will look forward to Sunday to finding out uh, if this uh, this run that the Giants are on can continue. If this improbable hunt for eight straight victories, you know, continues to uh, to have some sort of a chance. Patty, thank you very very much for spending some time with me today. Always a pleasure at any time. Just folks, remember, check out uh, Patty's work at Locked on Giants. You can always find her at Patricia underscore Traina on Twitter. Giants fans, also remember, please subscribe to Big Blue View Radio on all of your favorite podcast applications. Thank you very much, and we'll talk to you soon. Bye-bye. 
Hey everybody, it's Neil Patel, Editor-in-Chief of The Verge. I host a podcast every week called The Verge Cast with my friends Paul Miller and Dieter Bone. We've got a rotating cast of characters from our entire site, which is about technology, how it impacts culture, and how that is all a big cycle that causes us to have a wide variety of feelings that you can listen to every Friday. We've done over 300 episodes in the six years since The Verge has been around, but you only need to listen to one, the latest one, to get caught up on everything in tech news. Vergecast is on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, everywhere else you listen to podcasts, check it out.